This morning, uh, what we're going to do together is we're going to talk about a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 18. Uh, Many of you know that Jesus often told stories like these when he was teaching his followers about his kingdom. And stories, um, stories are a unique and powerful way to communicate um, because they force us to think and they force us to use our imaginations and they force us to connect dots and they force us to see things that previously uh, we weren't able to see. Um, author Joan Didion, she once wrote, we tell ourselves stories in order to live. Um, see, it's, I guess what I'm telling you is it's not just that we like stories, right? We need stories. Um, stories re- respond to something deep in the core of our humanity. We live in stories, and we live out of stories, and we think in stories, and we need stories in order to make sense out of the world. And so we're going to turn to Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, which is on page 12 of your worship bulletin, and we're going to read that together. And as we read this, you'll, you'll hear Jesus say this, but it's a story that he told for a purpose, and that purpose was to encourage us, to encourage us to keep coming to his Father in prayer even in the silence, and not to lose heart. Um, And so, like I said, you can find this on page 12. I'm going to read Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Let's give our attention to God's holy and inerrant word. And he, that's Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city... There was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of our God stands forever. Let's go before Him now and ask for His help this morning. Father, we do come before You, and just briefly, we ask for Your help. Um, We ask that Your Spirit would lead us and guide us in understanding Your Word and in applying it to our lives. And that this morning, even in the story that Jesus told centuries ago, um, that it would remind us of the truth of the gospel today in a real way. That it would remind us, as we say each week, that we're far more broken than we could ever imagine. But because of Jesus and what He's done for us, we are also at the same time far more loved, 
far more approved of, far more secure, far more delighted in by you than we could have ever dared dream as possible. And so we pray that you would take us to Jesus this morning, for it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So um, one day, uh, a little while ago, but my wife Jennifer and I, we were, uh, we were having a discussion, um, which is code for an argument, right? Um, and I don't remember exactly what it was about, um, but, it, but it was a really good one. Um, and uh, feelings were, were deeply hurt, and there, I'm sure that there was a lot of miscommunication and misunderstanding and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was the argument or the discussion itself was starting to spin out of control. And uh, we were at the peak, you know, the crescendo of this great discussion. And um, right at that moment, Jennifer threw me a, a heartbreaking curveball. Um, and she just said, I'm calling a timeout. And I was like, I was like, what? You can't call timeout. This isn't a basketball game. You don't get to do that. Um, you know, um, I've got plenty more to say. Um, but, but that was it. She just said, timeout. Um, I've got to take a break and we can finish talking about this later. And, um, I remember in that moment when she told me that, it took my anger and frustration to another level initially. Um, you know, just the whole, what just happened here? This isn't fair. I've got 20 more bullet points, you know, or whatever. Um, but it, it, it was weird because when the anger and the frustration uh, died down and it was quiet and I was left alone in the silence, um, at, at first... I kind of got a, a little scared, um, right? Like, what does this mean? You know, what's she thinking? Uh, what might be, she be plotting against me? Um, but, you know, when, uh, here's what the silence ended up doing, and this is my point. Um, it really stopped us from going down a very familiar path of our arguments, um, and it really forced me to slow down in the silence, and it forced me to reflect. And it forced me, the silence forced me to really deal with my heart. Um, and in the silence, I felt that I was getting resized and reshaped and being dealt with at a deeper level. Now, if you're a believer... Jesus is talking in this story about something that's a common experience for believers. There, and that is that there are times when God seems very, very distant from us. There are times when He feels very, very silent to us. Times when we cry out to Him and our hurt, and our confusion, and he seems so very, very silent. And I want you to consider this morning that God at times uses that silence in our lives to really change us and heal us and to deal with our hearts 
and to resize and reshape and transform us. Um, and that change and transformation, it happens when we keep on praying, even in the silence, and don't lose heart. But the question is, how do you do that? How do you keep on praying and not lose heart um, in the silence? And I think there are three things that Jesus shows us here in this story that we have to do if we're not going to lose heart and we're going to keep on praying. And here they are. You've got to learn to reflect. You've got to look at the horizon, and you have to get rid of your dementia. And I'll explain what all those mean, but here they are again, just real quickly. You've got to learn to reflect, look at the horizon, and get rid of your dementia. So first, you have to learn to reflect. This is so, so very hard for us. Our lives are filled with noise and endless activity and distraction and busyness, but it's only in the silence, in the quiet and stillness that we can do the hard work of contemplation and meditation and really learn what it means to reflect. Blaise Pascal, uh, the famous philosopher of the 1600s, he once wrote, the sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he does not know how to stay quietly in his room. He's saying we're miserable because we don't know how to be still and quiet. We're miserable because we haven't learned to reflect in the silence. And he said that in the 1600s, long before we were numbing ourselves by binging on seasons on Netflix or uh, being filled with anxiety for not looking at our phone the past five minutes, right? How do you keep praying and not lose heart in the silence? First, you have to learn how to sit in the uncomfortable silence, and you have to learn to reflect in that silence. In the story Jesus told in Luke 18 that we just read, the main character is this poor, vulnerable widow that is in some way a victim of injustice, and she was completely alone. I mean, you see it in this. She had no advocate to plead her case. She had to fend for herself. And to make matters worse, the judge and her village were told twice he neither feared God nor man in verse 2 and 4. So not only did she not have an advocate, but she couldn't appeal to right or wrong with this judge. And she couldn't appeal to his compassion because he neither feared God nor respected man. So what did she do? She nagged her way to justice. I mean, seriously, that, that's what we're being told. Verse 3, she just kept on coming. She was relentless in her begging for justice. She left him voicemails and emails and messages with his secretary. She stalked him in the grocery aisle. You know, she, she met him in the hallway and during his coffee break, and she wouldn't let it go. And eventually, she wore him out and got justice. That's what verse 5 says. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming. Okay, now now you're going to have to listen closely for the next two minutes or so because we need to thread the needle a bit 
to get to Jesus' point. See, the point is actually in this story that this widow learned to reflect. And what she does, she reflected on the character of that judge, and then she appealed to that judge on the basis of his character, right? She reflected on his character. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about right or wrong, so I'll appeal to his character. What he really cares about is himself, and so I will wear him out until it's in his best interest to give me justice. And here's where we have to thread the needle. Jesus is not saying, you need to nag God. You need to wear him out with many words. That's not what he's saying. The story works by contrast. This widow won the day when she learned to reflect on the character of that judge and appealed to him on that basis. And Jesus is saying, now learn to reflect on God's character and appeal to him on the basis of his character. Your father is nothing like, your father in heaven is nothing like this judge. He is loving and kind. He is merciful and compassionate. He is righteous and good. He is full of mercy and grace. No one loves you more than he does. No one can be trusted more than he can be trusted. No one cares about your life more than him, even more than you care about it. When God appears to be silent... You have to learn how to reflect on his character in that silence. And you have to let his character reshape and resize and transform you. Because whatever he's doing in the silence in your life, in the delay of your life, it cannot be because he isn't kind or because he isn't good or because he isn't full of grace and mercy towards you. Horatio Spafford uh, was the author of one of the most popular hymns of the church. Um, I assume most of you, if not all of you, know it. It is well with my soul. Um, He wrote, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul, it is well with my soul. One more line, O Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. A beautiful hymn that we sing in the church, and the reason we have it is because he was someone who learned to reflect on God's character when God seemed distant. And when he seemed silent in his suffering. Right, Spafford was a businessman in Chicago when the great Chicago fire hit and he lost everything he owned. After the fire, he lost his only son at age four to scarlet fever. Two years later, he decided he needed to send his wife and four daughters back to England for a break from the madness of their lives. But the boat they sailed on sank, and all four of his daughters were drowned at sea, and only his wife survived. And so when he was crossing the Atlantic to be reunited with his grieving wife, 
when they crossed the place where his daughters were lost at sea, he went into his cabin and he reflected. And in the silence, he poured over the character of God and wrote, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Now, what about you and me? Right? Have we learned to reflect on God's character in the silence when he seems distant? Pascal, the sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he doesn't know how to stay quietly in his room. What if in our growing bitterness and resentment, when God doesn't seem to be giving us what we think we need, what if what God most wants to give you isn't a fix to your unpleasant circumstances in, his life, in your life? But what if instead what he really wanted to give you was himself? You've got to get still and quiet and reflect in order to get him. Right? Jesus' final question at the end of this story is verse 8. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Faith there should probably be translated faithfulness. When he comes... Will he find you faithful? Will he find you content and satisfied and fulfilled in him and not just his gifts? We'll only get there when we learn to reflect on his character of goodness, love, mercy, and grace in the silence and in the quiet. Okay, second, to go on praying in the silence, you also have to look at the horizon In the chapter just before this, Luke chapter 17, Jesus, if you look at it, Jesus was actually teaching his disciples just before this about his second coming, that day when the Son of Man would be revealed and justice would reign forevermore, right? And you can hear this connection at the end of the story that Jesus told that we read. Listen to verses 7 and 8 again. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith or faithfulness on the earth? See, when when things seem to be falling apart in our lives, and we are crying out in the midst of hurt and confusion and it seems like our prayers are doing nothing but bouncing off the ceiling. When that happens, we tend to get very, very nearsighted in life, right? When it feels like we're just trying to survive, and all we can see is what's right in front of us, we are so quick to lose sight of the big picture. So how do you go go on praying in times like those? You get glasses to fix your nearsightedness so that you can look and see the horizon. Look, it's easy to get twisted and turned around at the end of verse 7 and the beginning of verse 8, especially in the Greek, but he's talking about long delays and speedy justice, and really you're left with, well, which is it, delay or speed, right? It's both. It's both. 
Because in this life, we are often feeling, and sometimes more pointedly than others, we feel the delays. Paul says, in fact, that not just you, but all of creation is groaning for the day when all things will be made right. Groaning. Hurry up. This feels like it's taking forever. Will it ever come? But Jesus was telling his followers, look at the horizon. Fix your eyes at a, on a certain point in the distance. Because one day, someday, Jesus will come again. And when he does, justice will be speedy. He will come like lightning, is what he said in chapter 17. Right In the blink of an eye, he will put everything wrong in this world right again. All the sadness, all the injustice, all the oppression, all the brokenness is going to be turned upside down and come untrue forever. When my daughter Kennedy was three years old, we were watching this TV show, and they were raising money for children in Africa. Some of you have heard this before. It's just this heart-wrenching footage on TV with children who are dying of AIDS and um, malaria and malnutrition, and they're just sick and impoverished. And it really wasn't appropriate viewing material for a three-year-old. Um, but anyway, just add it to the list, Kennedy. Um, but as she, as she saw these kids and was watching these kids uh, with these tears just cutting through their uh, dusty, covered cheeks, um, she asked me what was wrong, and since she was three, I just said they have boo-boos. I figured she could get that. Um, but just three years old without skipping a beat, this is what she asked me after I said they had boo-boos. She just asked, will Jesus make it better? Right? I mean, it, three years old, exposed to a broken world of suffering and pain, and her question was, will Jesus make it better? Three years old, but the instinct was already there, right? She saw a story and was looking for the horizon, looking for a place or looking for a time when all the sadness and all the painful delays of this fallen and broken world would be made right and come untrue. She was looking for a hero, right, who would come and mend all the brokenness. We don't just like stories. We need stories, we can't live without stories. It's how we make sense out of life, and it's how we find meaning and hope and purpose and significance. And Jesus is saying, you have to take this story into your life and learn to look at the coming horizon. There is a day coming, he is saying, when the Son of Man will come like lightning, and in that day he will make everything as it should be. And he will mend all the brokenness, and he will cause all the sadness to come untrue. In the silence, you have to look at the horizon and let it resize and reshape and transform you. You see, C.S. Lewis was right when he wrote that throughout history, the Christians who did the most for this present world were precisely those who thought the most of the next. Spend your time praying for his kingdom to come instead of your kingdom to come. Fix your eyes 
on that horizon and see what difference it makes in the silence and in the delays of your life. How it gives you hope and strength to persevere and joy in the midst of heartache so that you can keep on praying even in the silence and not lose heart. All right, third and finally, to keep on praying in the silence and not lose heart, you have to get rid of your dementia. Um, Here's what I mean. For those of you who've had loved ones who've suffered from dementia, um, you know this. It is so utterly heartbreaking to see someone you love so completely disoriented to reality and to who they are. And oftentimes, they're grasping and they're reaching for any hook they can get back into reality to tell them who they are and to tell them where they fit in reality. And listen, when God seems to you distant and when He seems silent, it is so easy to become disoriented and forget who you are. And so in the silence, you have to learn how to get rid of your dementia. Jesus said in verse 7, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Listen to him. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, you, you, you aren't just a nameless widow in a nameless city in a made-up story. You are God's elect. You are his chosen people. You are the child he has loved before the foundation of the world. You are his true people caught up in the true story of his creation, of the fall, of redemption, and the coming consummation. You've got to get rid of your dementia and remember who you are. You've got to learn how to take this truth with you into the silence. To say, I may be hurt, I may be confused, I may be suffering, I may feel lost, but I am known. And not just known, I'm loved to the very core of my being, to the very bottom of my soul by the God of the universe. Here's the question, though. How does that truth become real and concrete objective reality for us in the silence, and not just wishful thinking. This isn't meant to be a full and complete answer on this, but Jesus does give us a clue to that real, concrete, objective reality. Because in verse 7, if you look at it again, Jesus said, and will not God give justice to his elect? And maybe that sounds weird to you at first, But understanding God's justice for you is what can help you get rid of your dementia and remember who you are. How so? In 1 John 1, 9, John wrote, if we confess our sins, familiar verse to many of you, if we confess our sins, He is what? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, we sometimes get this picture that in our heads of Jesus pleading with his Father over our sins. You know, Father, Nathan's done it again, believe it or not. Um, 
please give him more grace um, and forgive him yet again. But that's not what John says Jesus is doing at his Father's right hand. You know, God's children have something that the widow in Jesus' story did not have. She didn't have an advocate. She had to plead her own case to fend for herself. But John is saying, you have a righteous advocate at God's right hand. And he is in God's courtroom, and he is demanding justice for you. How is that good news? How can realizing that God, how can realizing that Jesus is demanding justice for you help you get rid of your dementia and remember who you are? Jesus, your righteous advocate and mine, is saying, Father, your perfect justice demands that you not take two payments for this. And I've already paid for it. Justice was served at the cross. And he's free, or she's free. He's your dearly loved child. Understanding God's justice as a believer helps you get rid of your dementia and remember who you are. And as you fit it into God's story, do you realize what this means? It means that when Jesus returns in the blink of an eye like lightning, all of creation is going to be reborn and remade and put right for you, because you are a child of the King who reigns in justice forever and ever. Listen, I know all of this is not easy, um, and part of the reason I wanted to preach this this morning is because I know some of you who are really hurting right now and really confused right now um, and suffering right now. And it is very hard in the silence and in the delays to do these things, to learn to reflect, to look at the horizon and get rid of the dementia. Um, And I get it. I mean, ever since the tree that was in the Garden of the Eden, we've inherited from our first parents, Adam and Eve, a deep suspicion that God must not really love us that he must be keeping good things from us, that he can't be trusted, that he doesn't have our good in mind. I mean, God had told them in the garden, obey me about this tree and you will live forever. But suspicion of God's goodness led to rebellion. You know the story. And it plunged the whole world into sin, ruin, misery, and brokenness. And you and I inherited that suspicious nature so that when God seems silent to us in our suffering and when he seems distant to us in our confusion and in our hurt, all this stuff sounds easier than it really is. But thankfully, God's story did not end there. This is a story. And in God's story, there was another man in another garden with another tree, right? And it was Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, and that tree was the cross. And he heard his father clearly say to him, obey me about this tree, and I will crush you into dust. 
And he did obey. And perfect justice was served when he died in your place and mine and was crushed for our sin. And don't you remember, Jesus on the cross, he was praying. And what did he pray? He prayed a psalm, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the silence that met him in his prayer was deafening when his father turned away and unleashed the justice we deserved on his only begotten son. Now, I've tried to be very careful with my words throughout this morning because, listen, if you believe what we've just been talking about and you trust in what Jesus did for you, this is what that means. It can only ever feel like God is distant to you in this life. It can only seem like God is silent and turned away from you in this life. But you can never really be forsaken if you belong to Jesus. Because Jesus was forsaken in your place and justice has been satisfied for you. So that now only the smile of God rests upon you, his child. And to know that and to rest in that, you've got to do these things we're talking about. You've got to learn to reflect. You've got to look at the horizon. You've got to get rid of your dementia. And when you do, God will take what only feels like silence in your life, and he will use it to resize and reshape and transform you as you keep on praying, and you do not lose heart. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Um, We thank you for it each and every week, and it's good for us to do so. We thank you for the ways in which your word constantly leads us back to Jesus to be reminded of his person and work, to be reminded even especially this morning that your justice has been satisfied because your only son came into this world, lived a perfectly righteous life, and suffered and died in our place so that we could live forever before you as your children. Father, help us. Help us to reflect on your character, on your goodness, on your kindness, on your mercy, and appeal to you on that basis. Father, help us to see the horizon when we are so often caught up with what's happening right now in this moment in our lives. Remind us that there is a day coming when Jesus will return and it will be like lightning and everything will be made right. And Father, we pray that you would indeed help us to remember who we are, your chosen people, your special treasure, the children you love because of Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.